Are you in the real estate business and find yourself bogged down with tasks that keep you from focusing on what truly matters like closing deals and growing your business? Well, we have the perfect solution for you. Meet REI World Solutions Virtual Assistants. These are not just any virtual assistants. They are professionally trained, monitored, and managed to get the job done, allowing you to accelerate your business to new heights. Imagine having a dedicated assistant taking care of the things you either don't want to or don't have the time to do. Sounds like a dream, right? Here's what they can do for you. One, call or text prospects. Yes, they will do the prospecting for you, be it cold calling or texting, saving you a ton of time. Two, gauge prospects for interest. They will contact and vet your entire list, identifying the prospects most likely to convert into customers. Three, provide detailed lead information for follow-up. Once they pinpoint likely customers, you get notified in real time, allowing you to follow up immediately and close more deals. That's not all. These virtual assistants are real estate specialists with experience spanning real estate investors, property management companies, brokers, agents, and service providers. They are driven by core values of integrity, preparedness, stellar customer service, and a dedication to growth and learning daily. So why wait? Let the REI, World Solutions Virtual Assistants, be the backbone of your business, helping you scale and grow with meticulous attention to detail. Remember, with REI, World Solutions Virtual Assistants, you're not just hiring help. You're building a culture rooted in mission and goal setting, a culture that stands tall on professionalism and a strong focus on customer service. REI World Solutions Virtual Assistance, your partner in achieving your business needs and goals. To get started with REI World Solutions Virtual Assistance today, visit moneyisfunnyshow.com forward slash VA. That's moneyisfunnyshow.com forward slash VA. It's time to take the leap towards a more prosperous business. REI World Solutions Virtual Assistance. Are you a real estate investor looking for that perfect financial partner to fill your property ventures? Or perhaps you're a lender eager to dive into a lucrative investment opportunity? Well, I have some exciting news for you. Introducing the United States Real Estate Investor Lending Program, the dynamic platform that bridges the gap between real estate investors and a network of private and hard money lenders, creating a win-win for everyone involved. Here's what you can look forward to. For investors, one, capital fuel. Get essential funding you need to make your property ventures a roaring success. Two, financial partnership. Forge vital business relationships and step up your financial freedom game. For lenders, one, Diversified Investment Portfolio. Lending to real estate investors not only diversifies your investment portfolio, but also potentially increases your overall returns while reducing risk. Two, attractive returns. Enjoy higher interest rates compared to traditional lending options, giving you the potential for significant returns on your investment. Three, access to qualified borrowers. Save time and effort in finding and vetting real estate investors. The platform connects you with a network of dedicated and experienced investors, increasing the likelihood of successful ventures. So, whether you're looking to request a deal funding or offer funding solutions as a lending partner, the United States Real Estate Investor Lending Program is your gateway to the world of opportunity and rewards delivered right to your email inbox. Ready to embark on a more prosperous real estate investing journey? Get started now. Visit moneyisfunnyshow.com slash lending. That is moneyisfunnyshow.com slash lending. Take your first step to a bigger bottom line with United States Real Estate Investor Lending. That is United States Real Estate Investor Lending. Universe. 
Media. Network. 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 Yo, yo, welcome to Money is Funny, where we have a relaxed but an important conversation about money and life and how we can make the best decision of both. I'm Michael Anthony. And I'm Armand Crone with The Financial Effect. And today's topic is how do you sustain a business, how you start up the business, which will show you how money is funny. Armand, how was your Thanksgiving? How was your gobble gobble indigenous day? So it was it was it was cool. You know, me and the family, we we took a trip to uh, Moab and Utah. Um, cool brag. Go ahead. Start it, 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 yeah. You know what I'm saying? You know, and, and went down to Salt Lake City. Okay. Uh, I will say this. Uh, I don't never need to live in Utah. Um, considering that. Mormons? Huh? Many Mormons. I heard it. I got it in the text. Yeah, a lot of Mormons and there's not a lot of black people and there's not a lot of anything. But yeah. that wasn't even the issue. I'm, I'm used to being alone. The issue was them like limiting my drinking. That was the problem. Ooh. Like I can't get a taste of wine at dinner. That's against. I can't get a flight no. of drinks. You can't have more than one drink at the table for each person. Mm. Like, and then you got to go to like a specialty liquor store. You can't like be in a cheese shop and they have wine. You have to go to a special liquor store to buy your liquor, and it's not even all that great. Like I was like, yo, I, y- y'all can have this. It's beautiful. I felt I felt safe. I felt safe in Utah, right? I, I you know, I walked the street. We went through Utah. It was clean, uh, the, but the crime rate went up by two percent when you when you walked in there. They were like, oh, these guys. <laughs> it felt like it. It felt like it. I was like, yo, and then you know, Arizona and Nevada. You know, they got their scary moments, but I'd rather live there. I'd rather be there. You know what? I, I, I'd rather feel unsafe. Yeah. With my liquor, then going to turn safe it without it. This may turn to a Jordan Peele movie. You know? <laughs> it was I straight get out. But the mountains, the okay. island in the sky, it was beautiful. Yeah. It was gorgeous. It was great. Okay. It was one of the best tours I've ever been on. Mm-hmm. And how about you? I saw you with a whole bunch of people. Yeah, I only recognized one face. I was around a, I was around a bunch of people risking COVID, risking monkeypox. I was just trying to get this dollar. I got the headline, the, uh, the funny bone. So uh, I'm I'm very grateful. Shout out to the Funny Bone Westport and uh, St. Charles. Streets of St. Charles started as an open micer and got the headline. So it was definitely a beautiful moment, you know. However, my little cousin did get kicked out. Know why? Because she was drunk. Maybe if she was in Utah with y'all, she would have been able to be able to enjoy herself. You wouldn't have been a problem in Utah. You can't get drunk in Utah. (laughs) You have to really try. You have to really try. You really, really, really really try. But, yeah, the, the shows went great. Family was in town. Had gotten some food, uh, survived. I went out on Friday, uh, Black Friday. I was I was fine. Nothing happened to me. I did get hit by somebody's cart, some shopping cart. Someone did hit me with a shopping cart. I was there the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. That was my bad. I shouldn't have been out in the grocery store. I was looking for soda, and this woman hit me, and I was going to say, "Do you really want to do this right now?" Do you really want? <laughs> but she knew I was. I, she didn't know I was kidding, so I got my laugh in. She thought I was about to throw down in aisle seven. Over the coke, over the coke bottle. There's only one soda left, and it was it was just like the movie. We was about to grab for it, and I was like, "I got a bitch," because my wife wanted soda, and I was like, "Yo, I don't give a fuck about you, Debbie. I'm getting this fucking soda. And I'm taking this soda home." So whatever. That was that was one of my moments. So me and my wife, we both had worked at retail. We do not go out on Black Friday. 
if we can prevent it, we do not go out on Black Friday because it's a it's a hazard and it's a, it's the worst. It's terrible. It's There's terrible people out there. That's peopley. No, no, thank you. Because the corporation had put in so much of the emphasis on making business money off of that day, Cyber Monday, you know, uh, uh, which is today, and they got all these extra things that's going on, like Hallmark, all these things, all these corporations just doing these fake holidays, these fake days, so they can make people spend money on Valentine's Day, birthdays, Christmases, all these things. You know, we're in the 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 bar, the Triangle is what I call it right now. We're in Thanksgiving, Christmas, and New Year's Eve where everybody's trying to make everyone consume. Whereas in you, I, I'm sure our guest is not a piece of shit. They buy gifts for their families all year around. So we don't have to be specifically on one certain day because the world Hallmark <laughs> tells me say, hey, you need to go ahead and buy these days. You need to buy these gifts in. So I don't buy into the cop propaganda. Tinfoil hat. The lizard oh, man. Yeah, I've been rubbing off on you, son. I've been rubbing off on you, son. <laughs> oh man. Speaking of speaking of corporations and businesses, please give our guests a great I'm I can't wait to talk to our guest. He, he seems really cool. I like I like his hairstyle. He got a hairstyle like me, you know what I'm saying? He got he looks, <laughs> he looks professional in the front and party in the back. I like it. I can't wait to talk to him about his hairstyle and his and his business. Uh practices acumen all right well we got mr alan draper which is a he is a serial entrepreneur investor business growth expert attorney and host of two successful podcasts the business Ooh. growth pod and bug bucks podcast he specializes in scaling businesses and helping entrepreneurs transform an idea into thriving businesses through okay. a dedicated approach to business analysis alan has contributed to the growth and development of startups in a variety of industries, transforming them into multi-million dollar enterprises. And without further ado, let me pull up my man here. Hey. Oh, what's up, Alan? Make him big. Make him bigger. How's so, it going, guys? I've just been laughing for the last, you know, I don't know, eight minutes or so. <laughs> it's it's, it's 556, but who's counting? Why you throw the hat on, Alan? We was on only throw the hat. I yeah. to hey, that's the thing is that I Michael, I've got my content guy. You can't see him, but I just I while I was backstage, I said, uh -huh. Hey, hat or no hat? And he's like, You gotta put the hat on. <laughs> oh man. All right, Armand, can we switch it up so we can put him in the big screen and we can be on the side like normal or <laughs> boom. There we go. There, there we go. go. Yeah, there we go. Alan, what's going on, bro? You know, not a whole lot, but a whole lot, if that makes sense. You know, Absolutely. just uh, the, this is the Monday after Thanksgiving. You guys were chatting about that a little bit before. And so just getting back into the grind after the long weekend. And, you know, I I love what I do for work. Okay. I don't I don't consider it work. Um, so I'm just I'm just excited, excited to be here. Excited to talk about business. That's my thing. So, well, when you say when you say when you you love your work and you don't consider it work, that means that you have found your passion. You have found something that you're also good at and that you also love to do. Can you speak to how did you come about that in your life? Yeah, I mean, I kind of fell into it. So i I went to law school and I practiced law in Phoenix for a few years, and I did that before I started my first business. I think I always wanted to be an entrepreneur, but I didn't know what that entailed. I didn't know what it felt like. I didn't know what it required, what it required. And then after I started my first business, I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm actually, I, I got the hang of this a little bit. Um, and I really like it. And then I got to the point where, um, 
I don't necessarily have to work for financial reasons anymore. Um, Ooh, I'm very blessed. You hear that stunt? I'm like, I don't have to work for financial reasons no more. Nice flex. I appreciate <laughs> that. That was a good flex. So what, and what that did is it made me really good at my job good. because now I'm doing it just because I love it. And, Amen. and so every morning, like I wake up and regardless of what the day prior held, you know, the, the issues, the, um, you know, the travesties with what's going on with the recession right now and all these things, I'm just, um, it changes, it changes things when you don't have to do it changes yep. it, right? Yep. No matter what you do for work, if you do it because you want to do it, you just get really, really good at it. And, and I feel that's, you know, happening for me. And, um, I just, I just love what I do, man. So, so it's, it's interesting. You said two things. It's interesting. Number one, I, I, I totally feel you as a financial advisor. When I stop needing to have clients or getting new clients, exactly. you, get, you get to this place where you're like, stay, go, it doesn't matter. Exactly. And you get really good and people start trusting you because you don't have, we used to call it insurance breath. Like you need, they can, they can smell it on you. You need yep. this deal. And when you are in this place where you don't really need the deal or you don't need to, Hey, I'm here to help you. And I'm really just here to help you. People feel it. And it really just makes it enjoyable. Well, now, it's interesting because you come when, when you're like, Hey, you know, if this isn't win-win, you got to go your own way. That's that's no skin off my back, like no problem there. You become much more attractive. People are like, wait, 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 no, no, no. Like now I really want to do business with you because, you know, they, they just feel that pull when you don't show that desperation, when you show that you have options, they, they want to rub shoulders with you. Very yep. powerful effect. Just like, I, and you know, and, and it's something that just kind of happens, right? You didn't know it until it happened to you. And then all of a sudden yeah. you're like, oh, wait, more people want to work with me because I don't really need the, that's interesting. It's, the other thing I, I, in your bio, we, you've, you know, showed people how to become multi-million dollar companies, right? Mm -hmm. And you've gotten really good at it. Do you find it frustrating when people don't listen to you? I mean, and that, that's a great question because that is 90% 90, 90 of the people that I talk to. Like they, they come to me, they're willing to pay me re, a, a, a lot of money and then they don't take my advice. Um, and I, I used to get frustrated with it, but I got to the point where I can't care about their business more than they do. And so if they're not, if they're not willing to do what, I recommend, and maybe it's not the right cultural fit, or maybe it's not the, the correct trajectory. Maybe someone's like, you know, I really want to scale my company until they start scaling their company or they start doing what it takes. And they're like, you know what? I don't want to scale my company anymore. And that's a personal choice for them. So I no longer take it personally when, when they don't listen. Reason why I was asking that is because I, I still kind of find it frustrating when people, you know, I, I literally help people accumulate wealth. And People will be talking to me, asking me questions, and I'm like, this is what I do for a living, and you're fighting me. Why are you fighting me? <laughs> like, I, I've, I've, I've literally done this for a living. So I was wondering if you also had the same frustration or run into the same, even if, even if it's just you know people getting advice from you just day-to-day -day lives. You're like, hey, I've done, I've, I've made a lot of the right decisions in life. 
And so you would think people would be more open to listen to you. And I, I find that people are very closed off and very much into doing things the way they want to do it. Do you find the same thing or just, and, 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 and let me back that up too. Were you that type of person? Did you learn from somebody else and were you open? Cause that's part of my frustration. I was one of the guys who, if I ran into a guy like you, I'm like hanging on every word you said, writing it down, coming back. And I'm just not finding that with a lot of people. Yeah. I think, I mean, you bring up a really good point and it's, and it's this aspect of, of humility in entrepreneurship. And it's really hard because, um, you know, you, on one hand, you have to have the confidence in yourself, in your abilities, in your, um, resources in your ability to take risk and all these things to start a business, to put, you know, hang a shingle, put your, you know, neck on the line. But then on the other hand, you have to like balance that with this ability to be open to ideas and learning and self-development. So it's a really intricate balance. I went to law school with uh, a guy that uh, pitched in the big leagues and he was telling me about this idea of how pitchers and I think defensive backs in, at higher levels of football are also like this because for a living, they basically get their asses beat, right? That's, <laughs> that's what happens. And a pitcher's the same way. They, the other team, every single person on that other team is paid to make you lose. And so he was talking to me about this mentality and it really changed how I thought about it. But he, he was saying that as you're, as you're training and you're working your butt off every single day, you still, you know, you're learning, you're listening to your coaches and all this stuff. You still have to have this mentality that you're the best person out there that you're going to beat everybody that comes to the plate against you or that lines up across the line of scrimmage against you. And so it's a really intricate balance. Now you asked about me. I continue to struggle with this balance of, Hey, I believe in myself on one hand. I feel like I know enough to get to the next level, but I still got to learn, man. I still got to have mentors. I still got to read a lot, listen to podcasts like this one. I still have to put in that work. And so I keep, and, and Day by day, I go back and forth with, you know, I suffer a lot from imposter syndrome where I'll get to a certain level and then I'll have this demon inside me say, hey, man, you don't deserve to be here. You got here because you're lucky. And so I have to go back and forth between this self-confidence, believing in myself, being able to take this large amount of risk and, hey, man, I need to surround myself with with successful people. I need to find mentors. I need to listen to podcasts, watch YouTube videos to continuously learn. And so I feel like the more I'm in business, the more open I am to areas that I need to improve, but it still doesn't come naturally. As human beings, one of the most difficult things we'll ever do is change ourselves. It's we're scared to change. We don't like change. We like things to stay the same, but if you're really trying to get to the next level, you have to change, man. You have to change your habits and you have to change who you hang out with and you have to change how you spend your time and you have to change how you think and you have to change how long you work and when you wake up in the morning and all these things. Um, so I think there's this, there's this balance of, hey, I'm good enough to do this, but I also have some things I got to work on. Oh, yeah. If you were asking if I'm the best financial planner out there, I'd say yes but I wouldn't be surprised if I'm not. 
Because I'm, I'm willing, to, no, I'm willing yeah. to believe that somebody out there is better. And if you point that person to me, I'm going to go and learn as much as I possibly can yeah. from that person. Because, I, you know, I, I don't think I know everything. And I go about that in everything. You know, if I'm going to do anything, I like someone holding my hand and guiding me. And so you are that somebody 100%. who will guide people. And you just people need to be in that mindset to be willing to take that hand and go, look, I'm just going to do what Alan tells me to do. And then, you know, when I'm done, I can look back and go, oh, I wouldn't have done it this way or oh, I wouldn't. Have. But he told me like 95 <laughs> percent. Right. Exactly. There's 5 percent that maybe I would have done a little bit different. You can go back and change that. So, yeah, what you said is spot on. Mike, you had a question. I have plenty of things to say. I have plenty of things to say. Wait, hey, man, you know what? Me and Alan can talk. I, look, I, I'm loving Alan, baby. I'm loving this dude. We are thinking so much a lot. Although I think I'm a little bit open to change a little bit more than him. But that's okay. Alan, take a look at Armand's head. His head is actually bigger than what it is in real life. <laughs> it doesn't does it justice. But, uh, Alan, I really appreciate what you were saying about being pretty much just being remaining teachable and remaining humble and forever staying a, black, staying a white belt. Because no matter how much yeah. you think you know, you'll always learn that you don't know anything. And um, just stepping out of your comfort zone, that's how you're going to get to the next level. That's how you're definitely going to level up. Now, for you, to, the things that you have learned, what can you teach to somebody? Say they already have a business. It is uh, working for them. They come to you. What are some of the things that they can you can help them to sustain the business and Granted, whatever environment that's going on right now with the economy or mm -hmm. even what are the things that you would tell them? They're like, hey, take a look at this stock market. Hey, you should have this much money in your savings or your checking account. What's your uh, your overall uh, cash flow looking like? How many people on staff? I mean, when it's time to hire or fire more people, can you uh, speak to those kind of questions and what kind of things that people will come to you ask? Yeah, I think right now, um, I just got this question just a couple of days ago. Somebody sent me a text and um, one of my businesses, I, I own a law firm and this individual was asking about what they should be looking out. They own an, a, a law firm and they were asking about like how nervous I am about the economy. And I, you know, answer with a couple of things, but number one, I think small businesses, especially the small businesses that are wanting to scale, they need to have some cash reserves. And it's going to be different for each business, just depending on what their burn rate is, how much money they're spending every month. But they need to have cash for two reasons. One, for a real rainy day. I don't necessarily think we're going to have like a really bad recession. Um, but just in case, like, you know, things really slow down in di different sectors. But I think the bigger reason, the second reason is for opportunities. There are going to be some really highly qualified people that get laid off. There already are. If you look, uh, Amazon just shut down uh, a wholesaling factory in India. Uh, I just saw that today. Um, Facebook, Twitter, just massive layoffs across the tech industry. Um, so there's going to be a really good opportunity for some small businesses to, to jump on this personnel, to find some really great talent that can help their business. But here's the thing is that when I see that as a small to medium business owner, I look at Amazon and I'm like, man, dude, is there something that they know that I don't? Should I be laying off massive amounts of people and closing up shop in different areas, different markets? 
And I think the key difference is that there's a few, but one of them is their margins are a lot slimmer. So they're working with less than 10% margin where with a lot of my businesses, I'm looking at 30 plus. Another thing is that they're a really big ship and to make any amount of change, they do it really slowly. That's a good thing about small to medium sized businesses is that we can move really quickly. We can do a couple of smaller things that make a really big impact where Amazon, they close a billion dollar factory in India and it's like, so what? Like that doesn't move the needle for them. So I guess the second part is be on the lookout for opportunity because it's really natural for us to get nervous to kind of, okay, I'm not going to spend money. And I know this because I did this when the, you know, the murmurings of COVID started to happen in early 2020. And I was, I remember like that when you said that just pretty much follow the climate right now. Cause I mean, we saw plenty of little businesses pop up during COVID with streaming services, uh, uh, transportation, People, a lot more people start doing the Grubhub and d- dining and all these t- types of little industries really popped up. So that really makes a lot of sense to actually, because people, if they really pay attention to what it is that people really need, they can capitalize. Yeah. And if they're small enough, they can move. See, here's the thing is that more, it's it's been, the, the studies show, more millionaires are made during times of recession than times of you know, plenty or, or, or market abundance. So, so let me say that again, more millionaires are made during recessions than during, you know, marketing during market influx or prosperity. Hint, hint, only fans. I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) So that's the thing is that, so as an entrepreneur, you have to go one, if you're, if you're looking to start a business, you look for those opportunities. You mentioned Grubhub and, and things like that that really took off. So you try to find those niches. If you're already in business, you don't throw everything away that is working for you, but you pivot just a little bit, right? You make small changes um, that could end up meaning a lot for your business. But the last thing that you want to do is, you know, go find shelter because for small to medium sized businesses, you can really crush it over the next year or so. There's going to be a lot of opportunity. There's going to be businesses closing up shops. So their customers are going to be available. There's going to be personnel looking for jobs, really high, highly talented individuals. There's going to be a lot of opportunity, right? Warren Buffett always says, um, be fearful when others are greedy and be greedy when others are fear- fearful. Well, others are fearful right now. So what does that mean? For us that are, we're, we're, we're trying to you know build our net worth, we're trying to build businesses, we need to be greedy right now. Absolutely. It's the same thing with Peter Lynch and the cocktail theory. If exactly. He went to a cocktail party and everybody was talking to him. It was time to get out of the market. And if he went to a cocktail party and nobody was talking to him, it's time to get in. Exactly. And so if people are fearful or nervous or if you're a mortgage broker or a real estate agent and you go into the real estate class and there's like one or two students in there, it's the yeah. perfect time to become a realtor. Yeah. If you go in there and class is jam-packed, probably not the best time because you are going up against a whole lot of people. Absolutely. How do you coach people on when to hire people? I know in the financial industry, you know, you you get in, you start making a little bit of money, 
right? And you're trying to grow. And you and I both know you can't really progress until you start hiring somebody to help you do the scheduling and things of that nature. But do you have any advice of when, what what should somebody look for profit margin or whatever the case may be? Because the other thing is obviously is you have a family to support household to support and people are trying to balance that. So can you speak on that as the final question, as we come close to our time, sir? Yeah, I think it really depends on, the positions that you're hiring for. So for example, I have a company and we have a couple hundred um, sales reps that are 100% commission. So they make really high commissions, but the risk for me is really low because if they don't sell anything, they don't make any money. So those, those types of positions, it's a lot easier to hire for when you're not so sure about whether they're gonna make financial sense for your company. Um, but more administrative, more salary or hourly type positions, I think it really comes down to as an entrepreneur, what's your baseline, right? Let's, let's talk about your priorities. If, if you have your needs met financially, then every other dollar that you make, you can put into scaling your company. For example, when I started uh, my first business, um, I was paying myself I think I think it was $24,000 a year. I was living off of savings. And everything that I made above that, that the business made above that, we pumped back into the company. And within one year, we had done like over $2 million in revenue. And the reason why is because we took that risk. So I think, I, I think once you get beyond this idea that, okay, we're going to hire people, but it has to be consistent with our priorities, with where we are personally. You mentioned that you have to, you know, provide for your family. That's a hundred percent accurate. Um, but do I need to drive a luxury vehicle or could I get by in, you know, a base model Honda? So you really have to put your priorities in order, but in terms of, in terms of cash flow, you know, that's a really great question. I think, I think it just, I think it just depends, man. It depends on, um, cause you don't want to put yourself in a position where things are getting too thin, but there, um, Barbara Cochran, she's one of the sharks on Shark Tank. And she told a story about when she was getting into real estate and she was a broker in New York years and years ago. And she said that she would buy an office bigger than she needed and she would fill it with desks that she didn't have people to sit at. And she noticed that when she did that, that the people would come. So she she had this mentality of scale first which to me shows me that she has very high risk tolerance. Not everybody's built like that. So, so first of all, let's find out our priorities. Second of all, let's find out what our risk tolerance is. And then we go from there. So if your risk tolerance is, hey, you know, I, I would rather feel really secure about this. I want to make the financials all make sense before I hire somebody. Then we get to step three and then we analyze it. But there's a lot of people that don't get there. They're like, hey, there's... that." I, I ran into this person that got laid off, very talented person, could really help me scale my company. I'm a, I'm going to hire him or her, even though I don't know how I'm going to pay him right now. And I've operated a lot like that in the past. I've take on, taken on a lot of risk, but it's paid off. So once somebody finds out, number one, what's our priorities? Number two, what's what's my risk tolerance? Then we can get to number three and we can talk about the financials and see if it works uh, with where you are, cash flow. And if you can tie that new person or group of people 
to some type of sales, top line revenue, gross sales, then that decreases your risk because then you're like, okay, well, they're going to bring in more business like, like the sales reps that I was talking about before. And that makes a little more sense. Yeah. I've, you know, I've heard that in the past where like when I first got in, they're like, you need to ha hire an admin person. And I'm like, uh, apparently my risk level is low because I was just like, I'm not making enough money to do that. And yeah. my pay is too inconsistent. And so I babied it up. So I would actually mm -hmm. give the, you know, that story, uh, Barbara, that that almost made my skin crawl. Like, oh, God, no, <laughs> I, can't, I can't do that. No. <laughs> you know, can I get like one rib, one office, just one? <laughs> Alan, I re we really appreciate you coming through and sprinkling us with all this game. You're definitely one of those guests that we wish we can talk to for an hour because <laughs> I feel like we wouldn't able to get to even to the tip of the iceberg of all the knowledge that you definitely have to help our listeners go ahead and continue with their businesses and thrive even more. Alan, if they have any more questions, how can they get a hold of you? Yeah, so my website, alandraper.com. I'm active on all the so socials, especially Instagram. Um, and then I have a two podcasts that were mentioned, the Business Growth Pod. Um, but I'm pretty easy guy to find on my website. Um, there's a Calendly link where you can schedule uh, 15 minutes to chat with me and just tell me about your business. Uh, I'm an angel investor. And so I'm always looking for businesses that, that need startup capital. Um and that I can help coach along the way as well. So, um, yeah, but I'm pretty easy to find. And by the way, anytime you guys want to chat, I mean, you have my number, you guys want to have me back, happy to come back. You know, you guys are awesome. I appreciate you guys doing this out there hustling. Um, because it feels early when, when, when you're hustling sometimes. And with my own podcast, I don't monetize it. Mm -hmm. I use my podcast to find investments. And so sometimes it feels like the wheels are the wheels are spinning, but you're not moving. Mm -hmm. um, but people are out there watching you guys. They appreciate what you're doing. Look up to you, even though you may not hear back from them or or notice it. So I appreciate you guys. Thank you. Appreciate you too. Not only he's a financial guy, but he's also a lawyer. And Liar <laughs> Liar is my favorite Jim Carrey movie. <laughs> Love Jim That's Carrey. He manifested. He sat with Oprah. He wrote himself a blank check for millions of millions of dollars. And guess where he's at right now? Who knows? Because it came true for him. Yeah, exactly, Guys, if you liked our show and you'd like to hear more about financial stuff, tune in next week. We'll be talking more stuff about financial things. You can find me at The Real Mike Jones. And Armand, where can they find you, Playboy? Man, they can find me at Kroon Financial or The Financial Effect. Always shoot me an email. Let me know. Thanks for listening to Money is Funny. Take care and be easy. Be good. Music by Stream Beats. Universe Media Mastering. Your audio more listenable.